Welcome to Biomarkers, an audio series that archives the oral history of organic geochemistry. I'm your host, Fatima Hussein, and I'm here today with my series co-creators and fellow organic geochemists, Angel Maharo and Juliana Drozd. For today's episode, we spoke with Dr. Chris Reddy, who is a senior scientist in the Stanley W. Watson Chair in Oceanography at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, also known as HUI. At HUI, Chris focuses on the source, transport, and fate of organic contaminants in coastal and oceanic waters. We began our conversation at the beginning. Did Chris always know he was going to become a scientist? When I was in high school, uh, maybe two or three science teachers um, who um, went out of their way um, to make sure that I was getting what I needed. And I wasn't a very good student. I mean, I, I don't know, I graduated maybe like 15 out of 400 in my high school, but I was kind of a dopey kid. Um, you know, I played a lot of sports. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But based on the advice from his teachers, that changed. And I was going to be a chemical engineer. I only chose to be a chemical engineer because my high school physics teacher said, you should be a chemical engineer. I had no idea what it was. None, not at all. Guy just said, you should do it. I was like, that's fine. Sounds good. Fast forward to college. And, you know, I showed up and I, you know, I just went to this class, a chemistry class. And, um, you know, the teacher, um, the professor after class said, you know, you should be in honors chemistry. I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, you shouldn't be in this class. Honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so I, you know, I went into this honors chemistry class and um, the professor was like, you know, you should do research in my lab. And, you know, I was like, all right, fine. And um, I don't know what the hell happened, but I, you know, I ended up getting a BS in chemistry. Um, and and I, I did some nice lab work and, and I, I won some award for doing it and stuff like that. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing after I graduated. I was just a dopey kid. I mean, I didn't learn my lesson at all. And, you know, my undergraduate advisor was like, well, where are you going to go to grad school? And I was like, why? And he goes, you have to go to grad school. You know, you just have to get your PhD. I was like, really? I was like, I don't have any money, you know, stuff like that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 you're not going to have to, you don't have to go. You know, you have to pay. But rather than go straight to graduate school, Chris opted to work in science. And I ended up getting a job at a lab that made um, standards. Kind of like Chiron, but for for pollutants, it's a company called Ultra Scientific in Rhode Island. And my job was quality control. Um, they made they synthesized PCBs um, and other things. And my job was to make sure that they made a solution of all pHs. That if it was 100 ppm, it was 100 ppm. And if there were 16 pHs, I had to make sure. And I ran, um, I learned how to run a gas chromatograph. And, um, you know, that's what I did every day was analyze for pollutants uh, with two instruments and making sure that the mixtures were accurate. And, you know, um, I did that for about six or seven months. And then we all got fired. Um, We used to get fired every Friday. Um, Our boss was a maniac. And he would fire us on Friday afternoons. I don't know why. and then on Monday, we would get, we were still fired. And then on Monday, his assistant would call us in around 11 a.m. and say, you know, Bill's willing to hire you back if you apologize. So we, you know, I'm not kidding you. We would come back and we'd apologize and tell him we'd work harder. And then um, we would start working on Monday afternoon and we would dock one day's pay. I did that. And then finally, 
I just didn't come back and um, didn't have a job. Ended up um, delivering uh, cookies on a stick, you know, for this company. They, they would bake cookies and put them on a floral stick. Um, and then I would deliver the cookies because um, I didn't have a job. And it was like Christmas time. Um, let me tell you, you deliver cookies on a stick and one of your deliveries is your high school girlfriend. You quickly find out what you want to do in your life. I took another job analyzing drinking water for volatile, you know, like benzene and toluene and a lot of the halogenated um, methane chloride and um, all these uh, for drinking water. And I did that um, for, for a while. And then my boss there said, you, you know, you, you need to go to graduate school. Um, and um, I was like, I, well, you know, what should I study? He goes, you're really good at all this pollutant stuff. And you keep asking me questions about the groundwater pollution. I was like, oh, well, that's cool. And he goes, you know, you should get your PhD with this guy, Jim Quinn. He's at the University of Rhode Island, uh, the School of Oceanography. And just by chance, uh, the lab that I was working in was literally about four minutes away. I cold emailed this guy, Jim Quinn, um, who's actually a really big player in organic geochemistry, although most people don't know who he is. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I went down and met with this guy. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm filling out an application. And um, I applied really late. I didn't get in, per se. Uh, so actually, in my first year of grad school, I, I took, uh, I worked second shift and uh, I worked at the lab and, you know, I took my core courses uh, my first year. And then I got into the program more appropriately and, and then I, I finished up grad school. And, I, and I, it only took me four years to get my PhD because it was the nicest time of my life. Honestly, it was, graduate school was the easiest thing I ever did in my life because I worked for two companies that were extremely stressful um, that made me, you know, um, my second job, you know, I went and had like, I don't know, like a week or two weeks of training um, from Agilent. Uh, it was then Hewlett Packard on to, uh, for benchtop GCMS maintenance. So by the time I got to grad school, I could field strip a, a benchtop GCMS and put it back together. Um, you know, I wasn't like a lot of the grad students who were, you know, they, and then I still had friends at Ultra Scientific and they would give me the standards. Uh, for free, you know, and they would make me custom solutions. So, you know, I'd be like, it would be a big help if I could get a thousand PPM of this, 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 and this. By the time I got to graduate school, I mean, I knew how to, I knew maintenance. I knew all these chemicals. I knew uh, how to do great calibrations. And I, I kind of had a good understanding of what was going on. But then he had a revelation. After that, that was the end of people telling me what to do. Uh, not because I didn't like it, but I mean, th there's an underlying theme here, which is um, a couple times um, I made decisions that uh, in my stomach, I knew were the right ones. And that would have been fine. Uh, I, but the reason why I am where I am is because there were about six people um, who went out of their way to, uh, for whatever reason, um, always helped me make the right decisions. Um, you know, the, you fairy godfathers, fairy godmother, I don't know what you want to call them. We then asked Chris to share some of the proudest moments in his career. In 2014, um, I remember getting an email saying that I uh, was awarded the uh, 
Patterson Award from um, Geochemical Society, uh, Clear Patterson Award. Um, I knew the award and I, I went online, I saw the past winners. Um, I think startling, um, you know, imposter syndrome, um, speechlessness, um, you know, Tim Eggleton emailing me. Tim is not, um, I mean, Tim is very supportive um, and very positive. Um, and I know Tim really, really well, probably as bad as anybody else. Um, he wrote an email after I won that award. I'm going to try not to cry um, because it was just so unbelievably touching. Um, so I would say uh, winning that award and then, um, you know, when people found out that I had won that award, uh, when you get emails um, from John Hayes, and I'm pretty sure I got an email from Tim's dad, uh, Jeff, who I ended up being a really good friends with as well. Um, you know, it's a, you know, it was a big deal. It, it meant a lot. And I honestly, the award is, award is very nice. Um, it's hard for me to appreciate um, and really grasp the idea of what was written to me in a couple days time um, after I won that award. Um, it's pretty amazing. So uh, yeah, I would say, that. I mean, arguably there's many other, um, many other, there's tons of milestones. I mean, honestly, I've been really, really lucky. We heard Chris had a fun nickname for Jeff Eglinton, so we asked him to tell us more about that and his relationship with Jeff. There was a couple other Jeffs in the building, so that's how I started calling him Papa Jeff. And he also kind of had this Smurf likeness to him, so it was like Papa Smurf and Papa Jeff. But the best part of working with Jeff was Jeff had no skills whatsoever um, for the for computers. And actually, um, so we wrote a paper for again geochemistry, and him and I did it together. And um, I had given him figures and I might've typed out a method section, you know, extracted, you know, GC profiles. And then he had, you know, the papers and other stuff. And he showed up one day and he opens up this yellow dingy envelope with all these little cut pieces of paper. And um, we wrote the paper by him scotch caping, um, you know, handwritten text and other stuff. That's how we wrote our paper. My first paper, I one of the first papers I ever wrote when I was at Huey was with Jeff Eggleton and the outline was scotch taped to a piece of poster board with Jeff Eggleton. Um, I'll never forget it. I mean, he had like, even the references, he must've had like Lorraine, Tim's wife, who, who did everything, just absolutely adored Jeff and Jeff knew exactly how to make Lorraine do stuff for him. Um, he must've printed out papers and, you know, it was like maybe a paper that Roger wrote. And maybe Roger cited some paper. And Jeff knew that that citation would be useful for the paper that we were writing. So Jeff didn't use EndNote. He went and took a pair of scissors and cut out that reference from the hard copy paper, from Roger's paper. And then he put it in this envelope. 
And then we sat there and literally scotch taped in that reference at the end of the reference list. And so, um, I don't know, that's how I call him Papa Jeff. We know that Chris ended up in the file lab at Hui. So we asked him about his experience there. Let me just tell you what was going on in the file lab when I showed up as a postdoc. In over, for the two years I was a postdoc before I became an assistant scientist at Hui, um, you know, um, Phylab, the building, let me just, let me just give you a sense of, of what, who was in that lab and who we were friendly with, who we ate lunch with. Um, so I was a postdoc, Kai Hendricks was a postdoc, a guy named Peter Sauer, who was, was a postdoc, he's now in Indiana. Um, this guy named Sylvia Pantoja is doing really good work. He was a postdoc in Chile, he's a, in Chile. Trying to figure out there was some other uh, postdocs. Uh, grad students was you know Ann Pearson, Lahini Awahari, uh, Liz Kujawinski, uh, Liz Minor, um, Alex Sessions because um, he came with John from Indiana and Alex and I became really good friends. Uh, and then and then you know uh, Jeff Eggleton used to come and spend like three months of the year with Tim. Um, you know, Roger, you know, I shared an office with Roger when I was a postdoc, um, when he came and visited from Australia. Um, you know, Jeff Eckleton was always around. Um, I mean, you name it. And uh, I either had lunch with him, uh, showed him my data, uh, or something. It's it's crazy. You know, people were saying to him, I was like, yeah, I was there. You know, I mean, I remember when Alex Sessions made his first, you know, Delta D measurement on an individual compound. I remember very clearly. I remember when John Hayes said that Kai Hendricks, you should look at the methane um, for the um, Archean biomarkers. I remember like yesterday. And I remember like a month later when Kai came back and said he had minus 90 uh, carbon numbers. I remember, I mean, I remember like yesterday. I remember Liz, Ann Pearson had already made some of her radiocarbon measurements on pure compounds. Uh, but I remember, you know, and I was making radiocarbon measurements as well with Ann. I mean, Ann trained me at the vacuum line. I mean, I learned how to, how to make measurements from Ann, you know. And then John Volkman was a postdoc with John Farrington, who else was there, uh, but he was the dean. And Volkman was um, very close. And John always, Volkman always used to be around the States like twice or three times a year. And when he was, he always came to Woods Hole and he always had dinner at John Farrington's house. And John Farrington and I are academic brothers. Um, they, we, he got his PhD with Jim Quinn as well. And I always was invited, if Volkman was in town, I had dinner with him. And you know, to this day, if I am ever stuck on any, anything in pure natural organic geochemistry, uh, I email Volkman. And you will say to Volkman, and I kid you not, you'll say, hey, John, has anybody ever written a paper on blank, blank, blank fatty acids and blank, blank, blank? Whatever the time delay was, 12 hours, 13 hours later, he gives you the paper. He knows it. To end, we asked Chris, how do you describe your path to where you are today, considering all the connections you made with other organic geochemists during your career? It's like Forrest Gump. I mean, I, I kid you not. Like this dopey kid floating around and just countlessly lucky to meet all these people. And, and you know, everybody's really, really supportive. 
Thanks so much for joining us today and a sincere thank you to Dr. Chris Reddy for speaking with us and for sharing his incredible insights. And now for a special message. Hi, I'm Rachel Lupian talking to you from the Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory. If you're enjoying the Biomarkers podcast and would like to stay up to date with all of our upcoming episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Next time, we'll speak with Kate Freeman at Penn State. To tune in, go to summons.mit.edu backslash biomarkerspodcast. Biomarkers is produced in the Summons Lab at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. This should be on tape because it's pretty freaking funny. Um, so I had to make a delivery to my high school prom date. Uh, there was absolutely no freaking way uh, I was going to knock on that door uh, delivering cookies to this girl and woman. And um, I knew what the card was. It was her boyfriend. You know, I was like, I'm not going to do this. So I went and picked up my, um, my little brother, who was probably, probably 13 at the time. Um, I picked him up in, I guess, junior high and told him it was a family emergency, picked him up. Told him he had to go drop off these things, just ring the doorbell, give the thing, and walk away. That's what he did. And you know, you want to motivate yourself when you have to get your brother out of junior high to deliver cookies to your ex-girl prom date. Um, so that was it. <laughs>